Welcome to New Cities Sermon Podcast. Join us as we root deep in God's Word, expecting to be encouraged, challenged, and formed to be more like Jesus together. Let's get into the scriptures now. We're starting this new series called Formed to Flourish, Choose the Path to Thrive. And here's what we mean by that. As, um, as a church this year, we have some things that we want to do. We have some things that we want to accomplish, but we also have some things that we want to become. Like we want to be a certain type of people. We want to be a, a certain type of people that are formed in the character of Christ so that we flourish in life. And, and some of that God does to us, and some of that we choose to partner with him. If you think about it like this, if you choose to go to the gym every day for a year, you're choosing to go and form your body a certain way by lifting those weights. But after a year, if you make that small decision every day, you will flourish in a new way after a year. You'll be different, right? You'll be stronger. You'll be more attractive, maybe. I don't know, you know, but but if we we put uh, our efforts in choosing the things that God calls us to, we actually enter into the process of what he's already trying to do on us, which is forming us so that we flourish. And today we're going to talk about choosing to enjoy Jesus as a path to thriving, choosing to enjoy Jesus. And rather than just reading one passage, I want to read a bunch of little passages to you on joy, because really joy is all throughout the Bible. So let me pray and then we'll read. Lord, we just pray that as we read your word and as we hear it preached, uh, that we would be changed. We know that you are the God of joy. You gave us joy. And so we pray that we would grow in joy tonight. Help us to choose joy and choose to enjoy our our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said. Proverbs 17.22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, Tell you what, um, why don't you join in with me? Whenever you see a word that's capitalized, I'll point to you. It's always the word joy or rejoice. Can you say it back to me as we do it? So, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Luke 2, 10 through 11 says, But the angel said to them, that's the shepherds, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great. That will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus tells his disciples, I have told you these things so that my may be in you, and that your may be complete. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, the right hand of the throne of God. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, though you have not seen him, you love him, that's Jesus. Though you are not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you, with inexpressible and glorious, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. 
You got to start this one. In hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. And again, in the Lord always, I will say it again. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Spirit. Just three more. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. There you go. You're catching on. Always. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now may the God of hope fill you with all and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, hopefully you know what the sermon's about after that. What what do you look for in your life for joy? Where do you look to receive joy in your life? Now, most of us would probably say family, friends, job, and we probably know like money's fleeting, so we don't totally look to money for joy, but we just want enough money to help us pay the bills, right? That would bring us a little bit of joy. We look to these things, and they're not bad things. They're, they're all good things, but here's the question we have to ask about those things we look at to get joy. What happens if you lose them? That's kind of a, a, a question that makes our stomachs sink a little bit. What if you lose the thing you look to for joy? I was talking with a friend of mine last week, and he gave me permission to share this. He's a pastor, and um, he was kind of a pastor who was very influential in South Florida. Like, he was really connected, and like, he could make things happen between other pastors. And he sort of had a reach around South Florida. And then he got let go from his job. And all of a sudden, he didn't have that position as a pastor anymore. And he didn't have that influence, and he didn't have those connections and he got really, really depressed. Like, stay in his bed for a month depressed. Like, should I take my own life depressed? And his wife didn't really know what to do, right? Because she'd married this guy, and he was a pastor, and then all of a sudden, this pastor won't get out of bed. But as he talked to me about it, he said, what was wrong was I was looking at that position, at that influence, at the connections I had for happiness and joy, rather than looking to Jesus for joy and serving him. Now, now here's the thing. Pastors are just as vulnerable to that as anybody else, right? But you see in his story what happens if you look to something for joy and then you lose it. It can be devastating. It, It can turn your life upside down. Paul asks the question to the Galatians. He asks this great question. He says, what has happened to all your joy? That's a good question for us to wrestle with because as we live and as we do our thing, we find that sometimes distraction takes away our joy, right? Sometimes anxiety or trauma can take away our joy. Sometimes the consumer mentality always want more, more, more. We forget about joy because we're always trying to get something else Also, as Christians, we find that sometimes religiosity can take away our joy. Religiosity is like, my faith is all about the duty rather than the delight. It's all about what I have to rather than what I get to do. 
And religiosity can steal our joy. So can doubt at times. You know, everybody doubts, but there's times where it can just spiral and we sort of lose our joy or depression or what happened with my friend who was a pastor, idolatry. Sometimes we worship things besides Jesus and we kind of treat them like Smeagol with the ring, right? My precious. You remember Smeagol, whenever he had the ring, he was like, ah, so joyful. And then when he lost the ring, he was treacherous. He was a totally different person, I guess. I don't know. But, but, but what has happened to all our joy? Tonight, I want to ask you another tough question. Does Jesus bring you joy? Do you delight in serving him and knowing him? Jesus was so concerned with joy. I counted in the, the gospels, and he talks about joy at least 16 different times. And there's nine other times where people interact with him or the announcement of his coming, nine other times where people are filled with joy just by being around him or hearing about him. And that's something you should think about if you're not yet a Christian, because a lot of times people think about Christianity and they don't think about joy. But yet the Bible talks about joy over and over again because Jesus is full of joy and he cares about your joy. And so this year, as we talk about being formed and full, I want you to think about being formed by joy, by the joy of Jesus, so that you can be full of his joy. We're going to look at three different points today. The first one is this. Joy can actually be your choice. Joy can be your choice, and it's a choice that starts with considering. James chapter 1 says, consider it a great joy. Brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now that word consider, it, it, it sounds in the Greek kind of like a word about accounting. Nat's an accountant, you know, and, and, and if you go see Nat, he'll put stuff in the negative column, which means you spent too much, or the positive column, which means you made some money. And what James is asking us to consider is how we think about bad things in our life. Because what happens is when bad things happen to us, we tend to put them in the negative column because they're negative. They're not fun. Bad things are bad. But what James is telling us is, yes, while it truly exists in the bad column, it doesn't solely exist in the bad column. God takes bad things that are solidly in the bad column, and he does good things with them. And so you can't just keep them in the bad column. The bad thing is bad, but there is a process happening to you through the bad thing that is good. God shapes you into the character of Jesus through the hard things that happen to you. And so the, the author is asking us to consider how we view the bad things in our life, because if we don't, we might miss joy. See, joy doesn't just happen from us being zapped, like God give me joy, and he's like, Zzz. it doesn't happen like that, right? Uh, it's a choosing to consider what's happening in your life and what God might be doing that you cannot see. I think of one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller. I know I mention him a lot, but he died last year. And um, even as he was getting close to dying, 
he was tweeting and posting, and so you felt like you were on this journey with him. But I'll never forget this one post he did just a few weeks before he died. He said, when I die, there is no loss. It's only gain for me, speaking about himself. Because he knew he was going to be with Jesus. He said, it's only to my advantage. It only gets better. There is no loss for me. It's all gain. And see, what he was doing is he was finding joy in the bad thing because he knew ultimately there was a good thing, being face-to-face with Jesus for eternity. And so choice or joy can be your choice, and it's a choice that starts with considering. But that choice is also based on resources. So you might have heard me say right now, I get it, um, Pastor John, what you're saying is when I go through bad things, uh, I just need to ignore the bad things and drum up happy feelings and just pretend to be happy. And if that's what you heard me say, you missed it. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, For us, we can find joy in the hard things in life, not by ignoring the bad thing or pretending the bad thing's not bad, it is bad, but rather by trusting God and seeing God in the midst of the bad thing that's happening. God is your resource in every experience of life. He's always waiting for you to tap into who he is and how he loves you and find his joy. And as you'll do that, as you do that, you find that as you choose joy, that choice can precede the experience of joy. What I mean by that is some of you have tried this and you go, I just, it didn't work. I tried to be joyful and I still felt bad. Well, understand this, joy doesn't obliterate bad feelings. It's, it's more like this, like we kind of think of joy versus sorrow and the Bible says, no, 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 it's joy in sorrow, right? In the midst of the bad things, we can still find joy. And this doesn't happen every time, but, but there should be a warning label on joy because with joy, there is a user error. You ever heard the joke about like the person who doesn't know how to use their desktop and they call the helpline and they say, uh, can you help me? My computer won't, won't work. And then they ask the question, is it plugged in? And the person goes, no, sorry. Okay. So, so for us, we have to make sure we're plugged in. There's, there's a user error when we plug into something else besides Jesus, the joy won't actually turn on. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, are we using Jesus to get to something else? Which is what my pastor friend discovered. It's that he really wanted to plug into something else. And so he wasn't finding the joy in Jesus. If you use Jesus to get joy from something else, it is a user error. It won't work. It won't work properly. Ed Welch wrote a book called Addictions, Banquet, A Banquet in the Grave. And he said this, he said, when our worship is true, when we're really plugged into who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we experience joy, peace, love, and hope, even in difficult situations. When our worship is false and the things we desire are unattainable or impotent, we can be grieved, bitter, depressed, angry, or fearful. Our emotions usually mean something, and it is wise to ask, what are my 
emotions saying, what are they pointing to? As we walk with Jesus, our emotions can actually tell us something. If we're walking with him and all we feel is a sense of duty, a sense of, uh, he's my master, I have, I have to serve him, rather than a sense of delight that we get to serve him. There's a user error in there somewhere. If all we feel is anxiety about what could happen and never experience the rest that he wants to provide for us, even in the midst of anxiety, there's something, there's something off for us. And I'm not saying that, that mental health isn't real. I, I struggled last year big time with anxiety. And, and, but that was, there was something that I had to wrestle with and figure out where I was plugged into the wrong place. And see, that's the funny thing is so often we talk about breakthroughs. I need, I need a breakthrough in my life. I, I need the circumstances to change so that I can get the joy that I want. And I hope that your life turns out the way you want it. I really do. I hope my life turns out the way I want it. But the breakthrough here isn't a change externally. It's rather a breakthrough internally. It's learning how to choose joy even when you don't get what you want. It's delighting in Jesus, not a change of circumstances. It is a new choice, a new considering. Joy can be your choice. But secondly, joy is God's command. Let, let me explain. In Philippians 4.4 and 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says rejoice. And in the Greek, rejoice is imperative. And an imperative means it's a command. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice always, pray continually. It, it is a command. And that sits funny for us, right? That sits weird for us that we're commanded to rejoice. Because in our culture, we're, we're taught to be so in tune with our own emotions that our truest self is who we are and what we feel right now. And even when we hear that God commands us to rejoice, we almost are like, oh, though that kind of takes away my joy, that I have to do it, Right? But it's so funny. Let's think about that for a minute. It's as if God didn't think about that, right? It's as if God was like, oh, I know, Paul. Hey, write this down. Tell them I command them to be joyful, and that'll make them happy, right? Because what I really want is a bunch of people walking around representing me and just pretending to be happy, but not actually being happy. <laughs> God commands you to rejoice because he gives you endless reasons to find joy. The command is an invitation. It's an invitation to a deeper way of being. It's not just something to do. It's becoming someone different that he will make you. God commands us to rejoice based on God's reasons to rejoice. There's really two ways to choose joy. The first one we talked about was kind of and in spite of joy. I choose joy in spite of something bad. But what we're talking about now is I choose joy because of something good, because of the reason that God has given me to rejoice. Here's just two. Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, rejoice in hope. You and I 
have a certain hope of our destiny forever with Jesus. Now, last night, the Dolphins lost, and we got better than we did from last year. And I hope that next year we're even better. But that's not certain. I don't know who's going to get injured. I don't know who we're going to draft. I don't know who's going to coach in what position. It's just sort of wishing, right? But that's not what Christianity is about. Hope that we have is a certainty that everything Jesus has promised us he will do, including coming back, setting all things right, wiping every tear from your eyes so that you can live forever in his presence with endless joy for eternity. That's your hope. Did did your heart flutter a little bit with joy? Rejoice in hope. But then Paul goes on to say just two chapters later, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As, As Paul talks about the kingdom of God, he's saying that you and I are part of a movement of God here on earth that is so much bigger than you and your life, than our church, than what's happening in South Florida, than even what's happening around the world at this particular moment. It is something that is crashing through history with joy and with peace and with righteousness. And it cannot be stopped. And you're part of it. Not because of anything you've done, but because Jesus loves you and died for you. You're part of a movement through history, a movement of joy. God's reasons for joy are the reasons behind his commands to rejoice. Can you find joy even in those two little things? If we go a little bit deeper, we'll see that God's reasons for joy, for commanding joy, come from God's commitments. Just reading a few scriptures that we already read, if we look at Luke 2, 10 through 11, it's the announcement when the angels come to these lowly shepherds and announce that Jesus has come, and they say that the news of Christ is good news of great joy. God brings joy into the world through sending his son because he is committed, committed to redeem broken people living in a broken world. In John 15, Jesus is discussing with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And I'll be honest with you, like if I found that I was going to die the next day, I would center me. It would be all about me. I would be like, hey, y'all, my life's over tomorrow. I need some comfort. Can y'all help me work through this? But not Jesus. Jesus is so full of joy, even in the midst of the pain and the fear, that his concern is for the joy of his disciples. So everything that he commands them, everything that he tells them, he tells them so that his joy may be in them and their joy may be complete. Jesus is that committed to us as his disciples. And the fruit of the Spirit. Love, what comes next? Joy, right? We talked about love last week and how everything's really connected to love, and that's why it's first. But then what's right after that? Joy. Love, joy. Kyle Bashir says this, happiness found in God is not the feeling we get from pleasure or play because it isn't something we can produce. 
Joy is a gift of God. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is poured into our souls through the gospel so the Christian life is not spent trying to be happy. Rather, the Spirit indwells us to be made holy and filled with joy. We want all earthly happiness, but what we need is heavenly joy, and we need it, and guess what? God is committed to give it. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you. To produce, to shed light on, to grow you in joy. To grow you in joy. God is so committed to bring the joy of heaven to you that he comes to live inside of you to produce it in your heart. And so joy can be your choice. Joy is God's command because he gives us the reasons and the resources and shows us his commitment. But lastly, rest in this. Joy is coming after you. The joy of Jesus is coming after you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when I think about me, if it were me heading to the cross, I would want to go around it to whatever was better on the other side. But what Jesus did is he looked at the cross and he went to the cross and through the cross because he saw joy on the other side and the joy that he saw was you. Dying for you so that when you repent and believe in him, you could know God together. Jesus' joy was dying for you to get to you. And when you start to see that, you realize the joy of Jesus is coming after you. He's coming after you. And, and as we spend our life, we kind of look at Jesus and we go, well, okay, I get that, Jesus, but um, what about this situation in my life? Help me have joy about this. And, and Jesus looks at us full of joy and says, you are my joy. I delight in you. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you'll do for me, not because I need you, but because I'm committed to you and I love you. It is my deepest joy to die for you. After my friend had been laying in bed for like, I don't know, four weeks, his wife called some friends and she's like, you're going to help me here. I don't know who this guy is, but he won't get out of bed. And they came over, and this is what my friend said. He goes, they rebuked me. Like, they called him out. And they're like, dude, whatever you were trying to find joy in in the past, it's gone, but here's the good news. That wasn't your life. Jesus is your life. You can find joy in him. And what he told me, I mean, this is kind of amazing. What he told me is, Over two days, he became a completely different person. As he let the joy of Jesus sink back in and he realized that he had been exposed trying to find joy in something besides Jesus, he had been going to Jesus to get something else from Jesus rather than going to Jesus himself and finding joy in him. But as he was exposed, it all flipped for him. 
he found his joy again. And it wasn't really his, it was Jesus's. And his life changed just over two days. Now, should we expect that as we choose joy and obey God by rejoicing, that it's always that dramatic? No, I, I think it's often much harder than that, right? It's in the little things. We choose to find joy in Jesus. When the kids are screaming, <laughs> when traffic's backed up, when that person in the office has done the same thing again that annoys you and drives you crazy, you know, when the Dolphins only go one round in the playoffs, right? It's in those little things that we learn to enjoy Jesus and the delight he has in us. So can you see Jesus looking at you saying, let's work on your joy, but first know this, I have joy in you. I delight in you. I'm committed to you. I am full of joy. Come to me. God says, in my right hand are treasures forever. The one who is full of joy is Jesus, and he loves you. Thank you for joining with us as we rooted deep in God's word. If you found this sermon encouraging, share it with a friend. You can learn more about New City by going to newcityhh.com or checking us out on social media by searching New City HH. We'll see you next week.